0: coaches. There is a way to increase your impact without becoming a slave to your business. (sighs) This is Purpose to Profit, where we talk to top industry experts, coaches, and clients about their strategies that will help you do less and make more. And now, here's your hosts.
1: Hey guys, I'm Adam.
0: What's up, everyone? Sandra here. Today, we have C. Marie Williams with us. And C. Marie Williams is a transformational millennial speaker, business developer, purpose trainer, and writer. She's proudly known as Humanities Consultant. I love that. She's proud to serve her calling as the Chief Visionary Officer of the Purpose Broker LLC. When she's not busy taking over the world, she loves exploring (laughs) the world with her husband and (laughs) embarking on new adventures in the amazing city of Houston with, let's not forget, their Jack Russell. Kaido. So let's <laughs> welcome C. Marie Williams. The Thank you. The thing that I love,
1: I love most about that bio is the amazing city of Houston, the That's city right. that I share.
0: <laughs> I think they're a bit biased, you know. H <laughs> <laughs> town. <laughs> I haven't been there, so I can't say it's not true. But definitely a California gal. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> welcome. We're so happy to have you on this show. Oh gosh, so many questions, but just wanted to hear from you. How did the Purpose Broker get started? Like, what, How was that born? Right. Well, thank
2: you, first of all, for having me, Sandra and Adam. I'm so happy to have met you guys and to be on your show. The Purpose Broker is really, it's my lifelong journey. The, it's the story of me brokering purpose within myself. I've always been obsessed with who I am and what I'm here for. Like Over success. You know, in America, a lot of people just focus on what can I be successful at? And for me, purpose is the success that never runs out. So the journey to always trying to pull out of myself my greatest authenticity and who I am and what I'm here for, it in turn has enabled me to be able to negotiate higher truths from other people, from other environments and team cultures, just to. Focus on what makes us unique and what is our story, and w- how does that culminate into where we're
0: going and how we can deliver things in this world that have never been seen before? I love when you said deliver things that people have never seen before because we all have this unique design. And I remember the first time that I connected with you and mm-hmm. hearing your story, I was deeply, deeply touched by just the passion that you have in your purpose and helping people uncover their own, which.
1: I can definitely
0: resonate with that. We have that in common. Mm -hmm. So for everyone that's listening and doesn't know what a purpose broker is, what does a purpose broker do? Yes. (laughs) Thank you for asking. So
2: when we think about the word broker, we often think about negotiations, right? And as a purpose broker, what I am negotiating out of individuals, out, out of business teams, out of the audience that I often get the honor of being in front of, I'm negotiating from them and and pulling and extracting from them their higher selves and really asking us to come forth to the light and think about what we're here to do. And that could be ultimately what we're here to do. It could be what we're here to do on our day-to-day job. It's about not wasting time on our existence. We all have this imagination that we can only exist for one hour a month when we volunteer at that thing that we are passionate about. And what I'm passionate about is showing people that the closer and closer we get to our alignment, that's what I help people with, our alignment, our vision and our goal and have a true understanding of that, the greater our happiness will be, the more uncapped potential we will have in the profitability that we can earn and the honestly, the more humanity that we will have in all of these areas where there's just scarcity mindset. So there's this dog eat dog world and everybody thinks their place will be taken. Well, they think their place will be taken because their true place is not solidified and they're not really bringing who they really are, which can never be replaceable because we're all one in 6 billion.
1: That's true. You know, when you start thinking about the bigger picture, like we all have our own place, our own purpose, you know, something that we are here to do and to contribute. And I think for a lot of people, they get to your point, scarcity mindset, Sometimes they start thinking like, "Oh well, you know, I'm not that different. I'm not good enough. I'm not, right. um, you know, able to do that." And they're limited by, "Oh well, I can only do that, you know, once a week or once a month or once a year, like whatever that mm-hmm. that thing is for them." So mm-hmm. for anybody listening right now, like if they're struggling or stuck in that rut, like how do you? What would you tell them? What would you encourage them to say? Like, "Hey, like break out, do this thing. You know, implement this exercise, roll out this thing." Like, how do you help them to get out of that? scarcity mindset of thinking like, I'm just like everyone else. I'm not that valuable. I don't have a purpose.
2: Right. Right. Well, I have a number of things that I do from one-on-one consulting to events that I hold monthly and weekly. But for anybody that's listening right now, I challenge you to write a few things down and I call them birthrights because that's what they are. Before we get to our unalienable rights as citizens, before we get to our civil rights, before we get to any of those things, we've got to think of who we were born as. And so I like to take people through a few exercises. And the first one is really just thinking of when you close your eyes and when you think of a place of freedom in your childhood, what were you doing? You know, what did that look like? What did that feel like for you? And then another counter question is, okay, when you think about the first time where you had constrictions in your mentality and in your spirit of I am not, uh, because the first one is, is the I am, the freedom, right? The joy, that's the I am. I am whatever it was, you know, somebody who loved putting on plays or someone who loved singing in front of my family or, you know, whatever it is, we all had, the, we all had this sense of the I am when we came out of the womb. We just did it naturally around the house. Nobody asked us. It was before we started thinking about how do I get paid to is what we did. But many of us along those journeys where we start to develop fears of failure and when we start to think that we're not enough and we start to get stuck in the rut of, I can only do the nine to five or whatever that is. There are experiences that we had that inserted I am not. So the next thing that I um, would challenge anybody listening to think of is when was the first time a relative, a somebody in school really made you think I'm not good enough for something. I don't do this enough because really who we are today, it's all a, it's almost an equation. We are who we were plus where we are now. And when we evaluate that, that's how we get to determine where we'll go. And so we we really can't move forward and unleash our greatest purpose and we don't take a look at what that consistent I am has been in our lives and where those I am nots have been that have came in to interrupt and steal and kill, you know, the joy and you know aspiration inside of us.
1: That's awesome. And I think one of the things that you said that I have seen, and also pointing back to one of my favorite songs, Lauren Diggle has a song that says, you say, it's called you say. And Mm -hmm. the very first line says, I keep fighting voices in my head that say I'm not enough. And the Mm -hmm. second line says, every single lie tells me that I will never measure up. And so, mm. you know, through the different things that I've done on a personal development scale or just things that I've heard or things that I've interacted with, like as a generalization, one of the number one biggest limiting beliefs that I see people having is this internal belief of I am not good enough mm. or You can obviously filter that into other like subcategories of I'm not good enough because I'm not smart enough or because I'm not whatever, but it's like, Mm -hmm. where did we learn to your point? Like, where did you ever learn that you weren't good enough? Where did that, Mm -hmm. that belief come in and starting to think about that and analyze that. And to your point, oftentimes I'd be willing to bet 80% Mm -hmm. of the time, those things start probably before you were even 10 years old a lot of the the limiting beliefs that we find from what i've seen and experienced are you know mm-hmm. within the earliest developmental years of our of our childhood and it's funny because like that the things that people try to do or say to protect us actually have a really big effect on us i mean how many yes. people listening right now have ever heard they've ever heard like oh money doesn't grow on trees right like mm-hmm. it sounds silly it sounds simple like you can argue that there's a a valid principle behind it. But at the same time, that's a pretty big limiting belief because what that's teaching you is that money isn't abundant and that, you know, it's not easy to come by. And I'm, I know Sandra is laughing over there, uh, waiting to debate the argument of how money grows because well, it's paper, right? Sandra?
0: I I was muted, but I was laughing. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And I, I love a lot of what you said. I mean, back to what Adam was saying, that our limiting beliefs come from our early developmental stages and we don't come out of the womb saying we're not good enough. That's a learned limiting belief. And and we take it from our environment, from people that we interact with, or even just comparing ourselves right. to the person next to us. And, and given that we're all uniquely designed for yes. who's next to us. And I can't ever do the way that you do it because it's coming from you, your essence, your vibrational essence, your signature yes. is different than mine. And you couldn't do what I do the way that I do it. Now we can learn from each other and we absolutely do, but we mm-hmm. ultimately have our own unique design and just being able to enhance or to amplify. I think it's it's incredible what you're doing and it's so necessary in this day and bringing us Thank back you. to a place Thank of you. alignment, like you said. Thank you. <laughs> so how did your purpose meet your profit? That's one of our favorite questions on the show, you talked about what it is that you do and Mm -hmm. who you do it for and how you do it. Mm -hmm. What was that moment that you knew that something was about to shift? Right. You know, I love entrepreneurship. So
2: this was not my first go at it. I just think that now that I'm older in my 30s and I'm still falling forward, just within the last year when I said to my husband, I'm going to do this again. I mean, this is actually my second time trying to launch this. And, you know, there's a lot of beliefs that when it's something that's dealing with humanity or that cares about people, it has to be a nonprofit. That's really not who I am. I'm a businesswoman. I just love bringing humanity into the places that we don't think they're possible. So I really have to sit down with myself and say, okay, you know, I'm, I'm going to take this risk. And now my finances are on the line again, you know? And so we have a real estate business as well that I do. So my husband and I, we, we fix and flip homes and we invest in commercial properties. And so my chunk of the earnings, I invested all of it into this business. I knew that I wanted to put on events, you know, events in the morning, events on the weekends. I knew that I wanted to do one-on-one consulting. I had a lot of practice over the years by people who just always wanted to meet me in the coffee shop and, and help them work on stuff. And so I used to always think, I got to get to the money one day, but that was all practice. So I think in terms of the shift, it just became a sense of like, it's not about, I really desire this anymore. I'm really passionate about it. It's like, what must I I do to make sure that I'm just able to bring this into my life in every fold and think strategically enough so that it can make a way for me. And all of us have the capacity to be that way. Whether you do it full-time like me or on this side, if you bake really great, freaking awesome cookies, I mean, why... Especially for women, because you know we, we're taught to come from the heart chakra so much, and everything is just give, give, give. We don't think that we deserve monetary rewards for that giving. I mean, even if it's just five dollars, and hey, you're just making an extra two hundred dollars a month. That's a light bill. That's some makeup and an outfit and the gas for them. You know what I mean? So I think mean <laughs> just the, I had you ask about the shift because I think for me, <laughs> it definitely had to become a shift of this is what I must do in order to do what I love for the rest of my life.
1: You know, and one of the things that you said that I love that honestly, we probably don't even explore enough on this show is like from a very high level, what I'm hearing is that you had gone down this route before and mm-hmm. you actually had to take a step back before yes. you could go forward again. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's like when you are aligned with your purpose, like one, and I remember you and I talked about this the first time we ever met is like mm-hmm. doors are going to continue to opening and it's like the, the universe is going to, whether you call it God, the universe, law of attraction, yes. whatever you want to refer to it as, it right. is going to continue to align you and point yes. you and give you these these beacons that say, hey, this thing, you're really good at it. But that doesn't mean that sometimes you're not going to have to take a step back. You're not going to have to take an alternative route together. You very well may have to do it, but that doesn't mean that you can't step back into that or that you can't pursue it from a different angle. And it also doesn't mean that the first time or multiple times you tried something that it was a failure. Because right. one of the really interesting things that Sandra said one time that I have just internally thought about for, uh, you know, again and again, and again, and I've even used is like, how can you fail when it's your purpose? Right. And I think that's the thing. Like sometimes we, sometimes we think about like, oh, well I failed because I have to take a step back or I have to, you know, get a job temporarily, or I have to find an alternative way to, you know, make ends meet. And it's like, that's, how can you fail when it's your purpose? You're not taking a step back. You're doing whatever it takes to get that thing that you desire or deserve.
0: Absolutely. Yes. I read something recently that is just along the lines of what you were saying, Adam. It was so profound. It stopped me in my tracks. And I, I forgot what I was doing because it stopped me in my tracks. It said, The path is your purpose. And I've heard and I've read things that were very similar, but that the path is your purpose. That yes. whatever it is that you're doing in this moment is your purpose. Because when you're in alignment and you're not removed, from your purpose, then everything you're doing has purpose. And you can be purposeful and intentional, even if it's not the thing that you want to be doing at this moment. If you do it with intention and with love and with authenticity, it's going to lead you to what you actually ultimately desire. But it's not removed from, like you said, the coffee dates. And before you actually started monetizing it, before you became profitable at your purpose, you were working in it and it was mm-hmm. never removed. Everything that you're doing is all for your purpose. And so I heard that and it just reminded me of, yeah, the path is your purpose. Whatever it is that you're doing is leading you in order to just to fulfill on a deeper level, right? Because there's always going to be levels.
2: Yes. Yes. One thousand percent.
0: So Marie, you talked about this not being your first go around. So how did that setback or those failures set you up for the place that you're at now, like set you up for success?
2: Yes. You know, I believe that our setbacks and our pain chooses us. I really do. I say that all the time. And I believe that they're purposed. And one question that I began to ask myself and others is in those moments where you said, why me? Or why did I have to go through this? A greater question that we can now stare back and ask at those questions is, why did I live through it to tell the story? Why did I experience it to arrive at where I am today? And for me, I'm such a lover and I'm such a, like a a positive person. So I'm like, why would you give me all of this sugar, honey, iced tea. Like, Why why would you make me experience all this crap? And as I looked at my journey, as you put it, Sandra, my purpose, what it pointed to was is this miraculous way of, hey, you want to change these things, right? You want to impact these things. You want to care about them. But what what greater way to be able to impact these rooms, these peoples and your society than to be able to have the personal experience? See, we all want to lead from the mountaintops, but it's when we experience the base at the bottom that we can really move and shift the people because we understand it. That's why we see so many people, regardless of what your politics are, who want leaders that they feel, even if you know we say politicians are liars and they're just doing things, they want to feel that that person is connected to them in some sense or that they went through something because then they know from that personal experience they may right policies or formulate action or change in association and, and tie to that common experience. So even my setbacks, even the horrific things that I never thought I would experience or that I would become so up close to so young, I mean, suicides and mental illness and all of these things that have just been flooded in my awareness. Wow, I said that, you know, I want to touch humanity. I sure exact got close to the perils of it and the needs, the true need for empathy. A lot of people think this is just like fluff motivation. And you all know because we're in the same industry, per se, dealing with purpose and, and dealing with people, this is as deep as it gets, you know?
1: Absolutely. And one of the things that, you know. I've said on this show before that I think is so valuable for people to remember is like your mess is your message. Mm -hmm. And and to your point is like what you have gone through is giving you one of two things. One, what worked or two, what didn't work. And if something didn't Mm -hmm. work, then you can look at it and say, okay, what could I do differently? And that's where you get the contrast to say, hey, this was a really challenging experience or this is something I went through or this is something I survived through. Now, how can I support others who have gone through it or prevent others from going through it? And now, you know, not to, to generate a hero complex, because we're not always going to be able to save everyone because sometimes they have to go through and experience things. But since i are right. sharing your story and letting people know, like that is so powerful because yeah, mm-hmm. you can lead by example. You can lead from, you know, like you said, like from your experiences and that's why your journey is so important.
0: hmm. Mm-hmm. I wanted to highlight something that you said earlier, and I agree 100% with what you just said, Adam. You passed by it so quickly that I want to just take a moment because it's just so profound that everyone wants to lead from the mountaintop. Mm -hmm. And me listening to that, it tells me that you get to be a teacher and a student at the same time. And especially when you're in the valley, you're Mm -hmm. with the people. Right. Mm -hmm. You think about how many people can actually climb up to the mountaintop as far and few. There's few people that you will encounter at the top of the mountain. Right. Mm -hmm. But when you're in the valley, you're with the people and that's where you're gathering the tools and the strength and the wisdom to climb up the mountain, the resources, and so that you get to learn and teach at the same time. I recently had a conversation with someone at a coffee shop and he said, well, you know what? Life coaching is so interesting. The only reason I've never looked into it for myself is because I feel like you have to have your shit together to do it. And I started <laughs> <Ironic. laughing. laughs> I said, let me tell you, you just have more material when you don't. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, if you had to wait to have it all figured out, or to reach the mountaintop before you can actually create, then you're going to be waiting a long time. And there's a lot of valuable learning and lessons that you you get to share when you're in the climb, when you're in the valley. And mm-hmm. so thank you for saying that, because a lot of times we ask, why is this happening to me? And mm-hmm. there's a lesson in it. It's preparing you for what you're asking for. And so if you're able to change your perspective and change your energy around it, then it can propel you into the next thing. Instead of keeping you in a place of stuck or disparity or or that scarcity mentality, you can Mm -hmm. become abundant and start looking at the resources that are around you and become resourceful because we are all naturally creative, resourceful, and whole. But Mm -hmm. when we just look at what's in front of us, we can't see the bigger picture, right? So I think that that's extremely valuable. Thank you for mentioning that.
1: Totally. Yeah. And in that vein, like I just finished the dichotomy of leadership by Jocko Willing, and he Mm -hmm. is a Navy SEAL. And Mm. he was just talking about how within leadership, there are several dichotomies. And that's what the book is about. But one of them Mm -hmm. was the difference between how there's a time for following and there's a time for leading. And Mm -hmm. there were so many, the, the thing that I love about this book is that it specifically is talking about like his experiences as a Navy SEAL in combat. And then Mm -hmm. he ties that back into leadership and business principles. And so Mm -hmm. it was really cool to hear about like, Hey, like there's this dichotomy that, that exists. Let me tell you the story of how it exists. But it's, it's very similar to what you guys are saying of like, part of it is this journey. Part of it is, where you are choosing to lead from. You can choose to lead from the back or you can Mm -hmm. choose to lead from the front or you can be in the middle and have that dichotomy and know when to be in the front and when to be in the back. And I think that to your point of like, you can't just like be at the top of the mountain. You know, there's I used to have Mm -hmm. a um, wallpaper on my phone that said the man on top of the mountain wasn't just dropped there. Like he Mm -hmm. climbed that mountain and took that journey and that's what has supported him. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Love it, yes.
0: (laughs) So, C Marie, why do you do what you do? What is your purpose? Yes. You know,
2: I think it's part nature and I think it's part nurture. When I think about myself and things that I was doing when I was younger, I was always just leading people and. Trying to be creative and do things different. I mean, even like, you know, little tasks that I had with, you know, a school project, I would say, well, let's, I was always very interested and very inspired by our capacity to achieve greatness and to believe in ourselves. And another thing that I used to do is, I used to think that some of the content in the schools was boring. I used to bring like my Bible to school. I'm talking as early as fourth grade, and be like, where did this person come from? And I want to know this. And they were like, what,
1: <laughs> this little girl,
2: you know? B- because I was, innately, I was a truth seeker. And innately, I wanted to, even that young, I wanted to deal with the greater questions of our reasoning and our existence. And the nurture part is that in my home, I actually had, my home was in many ways, it was like a dream space for me. And the world was so cold in the way that it was different. I mean, I had to wake up every day and actually ask the question in my home, who am I? And what am I here for? And to be proud of of who I am and, you know, to hold my head high. And then I went out in the world and it was just all these, you're just a little this and that. You ain't ain't all that. You know, so it just like, there was always the battle with, sort of the, my comfort zone and the fact that, while wow, maybe many people are not, I was kind of shocked when I found that out when I was older, when I was a team leader, I used to do surveys. Not many people actually grew up with the term purpose and questions surrounding and enforcing that in the home. It was more so about like how to get to the grade. Are you going to go to college? You know, what, do you, what are you going to do before even asking, who are you? Why do you want to do it? And how do you see yourself in this space and time? Because we're all just here for a little minute.
1: Absolutely. And thinking about that, like as a parent, I resonate with that. I've got three kids and just thinking about like, as they, you know, the oldest right now is four. So it's like, as I start to think about that, like asking them those important questions of, you know, why do you want to do that? And, and really mm-hmm. empowering them to like, they might not have all the answers, but like supporting them and being able to be flexible and just getting them to explore that mindset at an early age, I think that's such a powerful thing rather than saying like, Hey, society says that you have to do it exactly like this. And that's, you know, that's how your life is. And I think that a lot of people in our generation are being awakened to the possibilities. And therefore, like, I think the next generation, you know, my kids and, and then even their kids, which is really (laughs) weird to think about. I think that like those generations are going to be even more flexible. And I think that we're going to see a lot of shift within humanity of like the way Mm. people are doing things, because it's not so cut and dry. Like when I Mm -hmm. think about like my parents and what they were told and what they, you know, to some degree, you know, they weren't as strict in with me. They were very flexible of like, Hey, like you can or cannot go to college. Like that's your choice. But I know that like a lot of people that are, you know, in their 30s, 40s, 50s now, they were brought up with a go to college, get a degree, mm-hmm. go to work, work your way up, and, and that's right. your life, right? right. And, and I know that like now a lot of people are starting to say, hey, you know what? Uh, there's actually an abundance of other options. There's other ways that I can go about this. Um, right. And I love that. And I want to encourage that. And, you know, my wife and I often talk about like, how are we going to facilitate the opportunities for our children in the future of like, instead of being like, here's money, go to college. If you don't go to college, you don't get the money. But being like, hey, this is yours. As long as you're not using it on drugs or anything else we don't approve of, like, what do you want to do with this? Do you want to go to college? Do you want to start a business? Do you want to, you know, go to Some kind of you know learn some kind of trade like do you want to invest this in a house like giving them that flexibility and that option to use it wisely in a way that they're aligned with and that's going to support them. And now yes, that'll take guidance from us because eighteen years old, we all know that we make we don't make the best decisions. But sometimes, (laughs) as a generalization, but I think that you know starting to facilitate those types of conversations of like opening kids up to the the limitless possibilities that exist around us is such a huge concept. And, And yeah, just even integrating like the purpose conversation into the parenting style. I think that's huge.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes, it is huge. And y'all are bringing me to tears listening to this because (laughs) I I truly do believe that this is the way that we heal our planet is through the children and and not through just the children because there's parents that are raising the children. So it comes back to humanity, right? We're all someone Mm -hmm. to someone. And so when it does start in the home, it's such a gift and you become your gift to this world right as you come out and, and you don't have to relearn or, and, and there's always going to be conditioning because you're a human that lives in, in a society, but it just becomes easier to hear your own voice from a very young yes. age. And so I, I thank you both for doing that for our future. You're securing our future. And going back to what you said earlier, Simarie, about being raised in a home where you woke up every day and you asked yourself those questions. And it sounds like it was a topic of conversation for your family, which is such a blessing. For people that weren't raised in that kind of environment, what kind of advice do you have for them if they're seeking out their purpose?
2: Right, well, my advice is that if you are alive, you are on purpose. And a part of the beauty of us still being here to breathe and exists is that constant revelation of the meaning of it all, you know? And all of us sort of have this idea that, my God, if we're not Dr. Martin Luther King or the first man on the moon, our presence isn't important. You know, I can tell you that the time where I was in a workplace, you know, having my first anxiety attack, the person that raised that person who onset it, they matter. And the person who, you know, came in and peeked their head in and said, are you okay? Or, you know, vouch for me in HR, they matter. So the more that you, you talked about the home, that's really important, Sandra. And it's something that I, you know, talk about a lot, especially in my presentations, we've got to stop turning on when we get out, you know, we get out and we put ours, whatever, tie on or dress and hi, I'm so-and-so. And then we're just ready to turn on. And then when we get home, we're lazy, you know, it's just like anything goes, you know, at home, we should look at our home as the greatest organization on earth. That is where we are going to build up revolutionaries. That is where we're going to build up, you know, people that are going to be the ones that make a difference at those pivotal times. In um, all of these things that we call the government, the system, all of these institutions, all of these walls, they're made up of people. So we have to look at who we are and what we have as the greatest blank slate and board for us to practice and to build our dynasties and our kingdoms and our pyramids on. That's what we are doing within people. You know, every single person that is around us and that's within our sphere represents somebody that is either going to go out. Out there and empower or inspire somebody else or tear them down. You know, somebody who was bullied at school or, you know, wherever they came from somewhere, they got that from somewhere, they were impacted somewhere. And so it's just knowing that our lives and our existence is not small and we can wake up and do things differently anytime. You know, something my father used to do when we were in the like living room, he would just say, okay, everybody sit down. And he would just turn off the TV and be like, So what's going on in your life? Now last time we were like, oh man, Dad, we were just right there. Like, come
0: on, <laughs>
2: you know, but it was present and it was like we had to really listen to each other. And there would be times in the family meeting where somebody was crying and when you said that, that made me feel wouldn't even know that that was going on in here.
1: Absolutely. And, and I love that because that goes back to what you were talking about earlier with like empathy and stuff. So absolutely. I think that's so important. And I love that. I love that you had that experience growing up because I think that it is really important to sit down and just check in. Mm-hmm. So we are about out of time. And I have one last question that I want to ask that I'm totally going to steal from Sandra that she might get mad <laughs> about. But I want to ask, what is the best advice that you have either received or that you would want to share with everybody listening right now?
0: I can't believe you took my question, Adam. (laughs) 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 So when we were in Africa,
2: my husband and I were staring up at the stars. And usually it's me that says something that's kind of like in outer space or just like, I've got some profound philosophical thought. But I just wanted to, I wanted to know if he really felt what I felt because I felt something so heavy. And he looked up at the stars and he said, there is no way that we are alone. Oh, how did he phrase it? He said, how important are we in terms of creation? You know. And for me, I said something similar when I was younger, which is, well, if we were made of dust, I believe it's because it fell from the stars. And when he said that, and we were both sitting there under the stars and we kind of have different the thought processes, beliefs, and philosophies, even though we have the same values, we come from different spaces and and about thinking them, but we were one in that moment. And i the reason I think that's so important is because it's like, in one sense, we were thought enough. However, like it's it's the idea that our existence is so magical. Like how is it possible that none of us have the same fingerprint? Like it's so magical and, and we're so tied to so many things that we don't even know. So for me, I think it's people realizing that you you are such an incredible possibility. And just by breathing, you are so dynamically on purpose. You, d- you don't have to really do a whole bunch of steps to be that. Just believe it and follow that journey and path, as Sandra put it. And the more that you walk, the more that you believe that you are a part of this magical world. And even Neil deGrayson, I don't know if I said his name right, but he actually said that we were the same if you google youtube the greatest sermon on earth it's him, and he says that we are the same elements of the stars we have that same like actual chemistry in terms of the percentages of the elements like the iron and everything and so it's almost like oh my gosh, we're a mathematical equation where're you know just we're here existing with all of these universal things. I mean, it's just so powerful. And if we know how powerful and magical we are, we just won't steal from each other. We we won't steal from ourselves. We will know that we are limitless.
0: So I don't know if, if that came together well, but that's something that I really feel in my heart. It absolutely did. You are definitely not alone. We are not alone. And I'm just so grateful that there are so many warriors of light like you and like the people that are listening and like Adam and I that are on this mission together. And that perspective of like, we are stardust and we are divinely created for something. Um, it's just, it's warming. So Thank you for taking this time and sharing all of your wisdom and all of your experiences. Super grateful for you. And I know that anyone that's listening that has been contemplating their existence, their purpose, you know, how, what they were created for, this will definitely help them gain that clarity that they deserve. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on with us. Thank Thank you, you. C. Marie. Thank you so
2: much for the opportunity. It was fun. You all get it. (laughs) This was
0: fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we will see you next time.
2: (laughs) Okay, awesome. Have a beautiful day. Bye.
1: Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I know that you could be anywhere doing anything, but I'm incredibly grateful that you decided to spend your time with us. We hope that there were some valuable pieces that you took away from this. If you want to catch more of our episodes, then go right now and subscribe. And remember, wherever you are on your journey, keep going and never quit.